Welcome to Deal Closers with Annette Tali, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here is your host, Annette Tali. Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Tali, and today my guest is my friend, Jamie Gruber. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. So glad to be here. Thank you, Annette. No, I am so glad to have you on the show. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about Jamie. He is an experienced real estate investor and insurance executive currently residing in southeastern Michigan. His current portfolio consists of 20 multifamily units with 22 more to close early 2020. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. He is the co-founder of Multifamily and More family of networking communities with 11 chapters across the U.S. and over 4,000 members. He hosts the Multifamily and More virtual mastermind and considers networking essential to success in real estate. Jamie is married to Sylvia since 2010, and he is proud father of two boys, Sebastian and Julian. Julian, yes. <laughs> That's, <funny>. them. <laughs> <laughs> That's them. That's them. Yeah, welcome, my friend. So tell me a little bit, how did you get into real estate? Sure. I will say this before we get started. I got to update the bio because we're over 5,000 members, thanks in large part to you, and over 12 chapters. So you have like a couple thousand members now in the South Florida group, <laughs> so you're a badass. Um, how did I get into real estate? Uh, accidentally. So in 2005, um, I was 20-something, six, I don't know. And like everybody, I was... I was uh, convinced that I should just buy a house, right? I had my job. Uh, at the time, I, was, I, was, I had a girlfriend, had the car, and the next thing you do is you buy a house. Uh, I lived in upstate New York at the time, and I remember getting on the phone with the mortgage broker, and he, uh, he said, yeah, hey, listen, we'll do 20% down with a home equity line, and then we're going to do a home equity loan, and then we're going to do uh, the, the rest of it with a, re a regular mortgage so you avoid PMI. And I was like, cool, I, sure. I, I didn't know what PMI was. I had no idea what he was talking about. But all I knew was I was going to get the house. I had to do almost nothing to get it like most people did in 2005. Uh, and I bought myself a house for $142,000. Um, I lived in it for a couple of years. Uh, around 2008, actually late 2008, I took a position with my same company in Boston and had a move. And I don't know if you caught that, but this was late. 2008. So I could not sell the property, even having a loss on sale clause in my relocation agreement with my company of $25,000. I mean, I could sell it for $25,000 less than I bought it for, still couldn't sell the house. So I kept it. I held on to it. Uh, and um, I was a landlord for a number of years. Uh, and that's how I, how I, with that house before kind of getting a little bit more. It was, it was like, I didn't want to be a landlord, but I was. And then later I decided I wanted to, to get into it a little bit more, but that's how I got the start. Wow. Accidentally. <laughs> Accidental landlord. Accidental landlord. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny cause I, I, I didn't, um, I didn't appreciate real estate for what it was when I owned that house. I looked at that thing as a burden in albatross. It was literally six hours away from where I was moving to. Right. So it was six hours West of where I moved to in Boston. And yeah, I had friends and stuff in the area and rents were good and the place was fine. But to me, it was this big burden until, you know, years later, I, I, I read Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, honestly, for the second time, but kind of got it and thought, oh, this is an asset. Let me do something with it. Let me make it an asset. And, you know, off we went. Awesome. The Deal. 
right. So what deal are we going to talk about today? Tell me so about your deal. We are going to talk about, you know, I, I struggle with this, but I'm, I, I thought I would go to two burrs that I actually recently completed uh, the exit on, or the burr, the, the last R, whatever the heck it is. Um, actually, I didn't repeat. So the refinance R, whatever that one is in the burr strategy. Um, so I thought I'd dive into these two duplexes, two duplexes, if that's cool with you. Awesome. And then for the people that don't know what the burr is, can you explain? I can. I can. I think this phrase was coined by, uh, by a guy named Brandon Turner with bigger pockets. And it's uh, where you buy. <clears throat> so imagine B-R-R-R-R. It's you buy, you rehab, you rent it out, you refinance it after you do that, and then you repeat it. So you're essentially flipping to hold. Like everybody knows what flipping is. You buy it, you fix it up, and then you sell it. Well, you buy it, you fix it up, you put a renter in it, and then you go back to the bank and refinance it at the higher value and get all your money back out of it essentially, but keep it. So that's what a burr is. Awesome. Yeah, I think I, I was doing it also before I knew what burr was. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's just that he coined the phrase, but the strategy has been around for a long time. Exactly. All right. So where is it located? So these two duplexes are located in, in upstate New York in a town called Oneonta. For those that uh, have any familiarity, it's a pretty decent sized college town in, in upstate New York. So uh, my family lives not far from there as in my bio, as you noted, I live in Michigan now. Uh, but my, uh, I grew up there essentially after growing up on Long Island, my family moved to this town and uh, they still live there now. Okay. Were they uh, bought together or were they like separate just at the same time? So it's interesting when my wife and I, uh, as I mentioned, kind of like, you know, hey, we re I reread Rich Dad and said, wow, all right, that house, that one single family, let's, let's, we refinance that to make the terms better. We, we just sort of mentally and, and financially converted it to an asset, right? That's, that's an asset that we have now. Then we decided we're going to buy two more and we're looking all around Boston and like you in South Florida, Boston's just like a hot, hot, hot market. Very, very expensive. There are a couple towns you can get into, but boy, you're just getting into like, you know, very, very difficult tenants, I guess you could say, if you buy in those towns. <laughs> so I thought, wow, let's look at, let's look at my, my town, like where I grew up, right? Let's, let's take a peek at that. And um, there were four distressed duplexes on the market. They were, they were all like a wreck. And they were, they were expensive for what I thought they should be, but they were all like gross. And I remember looking at all four of them like, well, any one of these four, you know, these are interesting. They all had the same agent listing them as well. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe she's investor friendly or whatever. Well, it turns out all four were owned by the same guy. So the same owner had all four. Uh, he lived in uh, downstate New York, so like New York City area and moved to Florida. And he had a property manager, uh, you know, property manager managing the properties for him. But like I remember, I remember one of them when we walked up to it. There was like a, a piece of siding missing. It was like a, a um, it's an old like asbestos siding. It looked like an asbestos, like kind of, I don't know, a weird looking siding. It wasn't like your vinyl or anything like that. And the siding was missing, and it was almost like he 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 went up to it. He looked at the size of the hole. He had a piece of siding. He like snapped it in half and like stuck it in there. Like it was just <laughs> terribly, terribly maintained all of the property. So. I looked at all four and actually went under contract on all four, um, made, off, made an offer. I don't remember what that offer was or how much it was or, or how much it, the total of the four were even going for, but made an offer on all four. Then we, we, uh, we did our, our inspections and two of them were just a little too much, like half of one house had to be literally taken down. The other house's foundation was sinking. It needed like a whole re-engineering to do it. It was like, those are a little over the top. So I got out of the contract and the owner asked if I wanted any of them. I said, yeah, these two I like. Uh, and we ended up going on a contract on those. 
Right. So how did you find them? Were they on the market or were you? Yeah, they were just MLS. I literally like pulled them up. There it was. It was like, I wish I had this whole detailed story of like how I hunted for or whatever, but it was like, (laughs) can't buy in Massachusetts. Look in this town of Oneana. There they are. And then we bought them a few months later. And how long were they on the market? Uh, they were on for a while, probably a year or more. Um, they were on the, yeah, they, and they didn't really move in price. Like they, they maybe five or $10,000 each. They didn't move a lot. Right. Yeah. And probably that's why they were on the market for a long time. The guy yeah. was ready to sell. You got it. Yeah. You got it. All right. So what was the listing price for the two that you end up uh, acquiring? Yeah. So the two combined were 240 is 135 for one of them and 105 for the other. They're both duplexes, upstairs, downstairs. They're uh, two bed, one bath for, for, all, for three of the four. The fourth one technically is three bed, one bath. It's a small third bedroom, but it's a third bedroom. So uh, 244 for the group, for the two. And they were, uh, they were not occupied, I'm assuming. No, they were. They, they oh, fully they tenanted. Yeah. Oh, and what was the, um, the rents at that time? So the rents on the downstairs three bedroom on the one property were, was $755. And the rent upstairs for the two bedroom was five fifty, I think it was. On the other property, it was eight hundred upstairs and downstairs with all utilities included, which in the winter in New York is uh, is a lot of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, for the utilities, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so how did you? At what price did you end up getting both um, buildings, and how did you negotiate it? Sure. So two forty was the ask price. We ended up getting them for one seventy. So about $70,000 off. Yeah. And what's funny is I, I made an offer at 160, I think it was just, you know, I went through the calculators that I had at the time and kind of figured out what I thought the, uh, the rehab was going to be and said, yeah, I could do it at 160. And I remember saying to my wife, um, man, he comes to 180. I'm going to buy this. So the next, the next offer he made was 175. It might not have been from 240 down. It might've been a little bit in there, but he came down to like the next one was it went past my, my high, which was 180. He went down below it to 175. So I said, ah, you know what? Let me come back and try like 168 or something like that. And he came down to 170. So I remember thinking like, don't react, don't just buy it. Like I, I got an extra $5,000 off it at the end. So it was a, a, a desperate seller and we caught him at the right time, to be honest with you. Right. But this was before the inspections? This was before, actually, we ended up waiving the inspections. That was another contingency we put in there, uh, another negotiation point. Like I went through these houses, like I knew what was wrong with them. I, I'll get to the cost of that and whether or not I estimated the costs appropriately because I didn't, but, <laughs> the, um, but I knew what was wrong. There was no surprise as to what they needed. They needed a lot of stuff. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but, um, but so we waived inspections as part of the agreement on this, like, hey, listen, I'll do it for this and no inspections and that, that kind of did the deal. Okay. Yeah. So that is a technique that I use as well. If you, well, I don't know if you were experienced at the time, but if you are experienced and you know what the repairs are going to be, you know, and, and you're comfortable with it, you know, to get the deal, you can just offer with no contingencies uh, for inspections. Yeah. But you can still have your, uh, if, well, you probably were a cash, but you can still, if you're buying it finance, you can still have those contingencies and then yeah. just waive the inspection period. But that's only if you are experienced and you know what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't buy cash. I'll get into the financing. We actually financed these. But um, um, no, I completely agree. And in, in our case, like experience is a, is a bit of a reach. We had the one property. So we had, a, you know, over the years, I had learned a little bit about what this takes, what that takes. But 
didn't appreciate that different markets are priced differently, even though I thought these markets where I had the single family and where I was buying the duplexes are similar. Um, the cost of labor was, is markedly different between the two. And that I didn't, I didn't factor that in. Um, but the, the, uh, my father and a friend of ours who were very experienced with this stuff, my father's owned a bunch of property in the past, they helped us with that. They walked the properties and it was like, not just me going like, yeah, I know what's going on here. Like at the very least, I mean, they didn't estimate damages for us, but they, they at least went around and said, yeah, this, this, this. And we, we had an idea, we knew what, was, what needed to be done. And then, you know, it was on us to figure out how much that would cost. Right. Were you, were you dealing directly with the owner or were you going through a realtor? Through an agent. Yeah. Yeah, it was a straight, it was like buying a, buying a house you're going to live in. It was, you know, the same experience. So, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So how did you finance it? So we ended up, uh, we, were t we were looking at a lot of different things. Like, do we put a bunch of cash down? Do we do a hard money loan or private money? You know, what do we do here? We ended up calling a bunch of banks to get an idea of like, what would terms be? Like, what kind of financing can we get? And we ended up after like the 12th call to a bank, we found a, a local community bank that offered a portfolio product, a portfolio mortgage. And what that means essentially is most mortgages are, are, uh, are Fannie or Freddie back, meaning a, a bank's goal is they don't have a, a war chest of cash. So they're going to, you know, put the mortgage out there. They're going to give you the mortgage and then immediately sell it to Fannie or Freddie. So in order to do that, they're going to abide by Fannie and Freddie guidelines for the entirety of the, of the, uh, of the financing. So, um, that means, you know, if Fannie and Freddie say you need to put 25% down on a rental property, then you're putting 25% down in order for that bank to finance it. They're not going to go outside of Fannie and Freddie guidelines. Closing costs can be a little bit elevated as well. We found a bank, a community bank that offered a portfolio loan, which means they'll do the mortgage and they're not going to sell it to Fannie or Freddie. So they have a little, a little bit more flexibility um, in, in the terms that they're able to give you. Uh, so we financed it with them. I believe it was for 5% or maybe it was 4.75%. Um, a 30-year mortgage, 20% uh, down, and the closing costs were negligible. They were like two, three grand. So that compared to doing hard money or something like that was just a way cheaper option. Uh, and they had no seasoning period um, for, for refinance, right? Yeah, now we blew right past whatever a seasoning period would be. But if we were able to like flip them quick, um, there was no seasoning period. They would just go with you know, whatever, whatever market value was based on the rehab, so. Right. So the seasonal period is the six months normally that you have to wait before you can refinance the property, correct? Yeah, summer a year. Summer a year. So yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. You know, I haven't, at least in South Florida, uh, found a place that does it for 20%. So that's awesome. I always have to do 25%. Yeah, it took a lot of calls. Everyone was 25, 25%. I mean, it was like hearing the same thing. I remember I created a spreadsheet and just went through the terms. There were some differences between them depending on like, some didn't want to do student housing because it's a, it's a college town and these are not college rentals. Um, and there were a couple of banks that had that term. So I was like, okay, that's good to know. Um, but it took like the 12th call and, and this isn't a big area. I mean, there were that many banks that I could get in touch with, took the 12th call say, well, actually we do offer a portfolio product that we could do 80, 20. I'm like, wow. And I actually found that in Massachusetts as well with a bank. So if you're, you're pounding the pavement and looking at you can find them. Maybe a broker is the best way to go. I don't know. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. And you know, it took you 12 calls. So maybe I need yeah. to do some extra calls for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Yep, exactly. Okay. So those were the terms. And you know, you said that it needed a lot of uh, 
repairs, they were willing to finance it being that it wasn't in very good condition. Yeah, they were livable, but you know, they, they, there was no, um, there were no foundation issues. There was nothing like that. They were willing to finance because they were, they were, they were livable. They just needed, I mean, you know, we thought painted like the siding needed to be painted, scraped and painted on one, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the units needed to be updated in order to, in order to, um, uh, split the utilities, we would need to install, you know, a separate service for the electric. Like there was no rubs on these or anything like that. So, you know, like when I say work, they needed a lot of, a lot of stuff to get them up to speed. Um, you know, the units needed to be updated, kitchens, baths, but they were functional. Does that make sense? Like yes. it, it was like in order for, I should, when I say needed to be in order for us to attract the rents we wanted to attract and the kind of type of, type of tenant we wanted to attract, they needed stuff. If we wanted to just keep the people that we had in there or toss some, some new people like that in there, then we could have done nothing with it. But you know, they were just in disrepair. They were, they were like, well, one porch was falling down on the side of one of the houses. So that had to be done. I mean, there was, there was work to be done in both properties. Okay. Excellent. So tell us about your, your budget. You said that you miscalculated some stuff. Oh yeah. No, a lot stuff are you kidding me so like i said we thought we would have to paint the siding well it turns out the siding was essentially rotted it was wood siding so we needed to side the building so we could have like fixed some of the rot and painted but it would have been more than just siding the damn building so it goes from like a five thousand dollar paint job to like a fifteen thousand dollar siding job right um some of the windows like uh, just based on the code so the town um the town's code office zoning office whatever code office is like so aggressive. They have a lot of people that invest from out of state and they, they seem to latch on to those owners as a way to kind of like just berate them, find them, do whatever they can. So like the windows, we didn't anticipate. We need to replace windows on both houses. That was like six grand each that we did not have in our budget because we're thinking now ah, the windows are windows are windows. Um, we discovered one of the, one of the, um, um, what's the word? The uh, bay window had like a roof over it that um, it ended up being like waterlogged underneath. We didn't see that on the initial, on the initial walkthrough. I mean, I don't know how we could have, I don't even think an inspector would have caught it. Um, so, you know, there's some stuff there. So we went in with a budget of like 30 to 35 and we left spending somewhere in the $65,000 range. So it was literally Twice. double. So to give you an idea, I mean, I, I, I can give you kind of how I was thinking this would flesh out from an ARV and everything perspective and then how it actually did if you'd like. Yes, please. Okay. So I bought them for 170. I was anticipating about $30,000, right? So say 200, $200,000 all in ish, right in that ballpark. My after repair value, I thought at the time was going to be north of 260. I thought 260 was my low, but I thought I can get north of 260. But even at 260 in my worst case, uh, at 8020 financing with that same bank, I'd, I'd have debt of 208,000. So they'd give me 208,000 to pay off the mortgages and, um, and, the, and the, uh, the rehab. And that's 200,000. So I'd have an $8,000 return to me. And look at me, I'm cash flowing with eight grand in pocket, all my money back, um, which by the way, we took out, we did take out uh, just a private loan from our parents to do the rehab. Um, so pay that back, pay all this stuff back, right? And, and you know, we're, we're good to go. The actuality is I wasn't far off. I wasn't terribly far off on the, on the ARV, but I was off. The actuality was we were in at a 170. Um, we put, you know, 65 in it or so. So like, you know, we're at like two something, um, 235, 230, something in that range. 
uh, we got a $260,000 valuation and um, maybe I'm a little high there, but we ended up spending about two to $3,000 at the closing table. My numbers might be off a little bit, but we ended up having to put three grand into it at the end as opposed to taking $8,000 out of it. So yeah, we definitely miscalculated the- uh, But then the, you still uh, had to pay the private money, right? We paid everything off. Yep, oh. we paid, we paid, we paid the two mortgages we paid the private money off and we we had to take a little bit of our own money to put it in at the end um to be done with it but yeah yeah that, that we we ended up being a little bit oh the arv was 250 not 260 as i thought it was going to be but you you did put a 20 percent 20 percent down correct 20 yeah. percent, and then you put three thousand more correct so well, the twenty percent I got, I got essentially back, right at closing. I got that essentially came back, but then I had to put in an extra three thousand dollars. I guess is the best way to put it at closing. Okay, got you. I mean, but still, it's just you know now you have a two cash flow in properties, and you have only three thousand dollars in. Correct. You're getting the cash flow. Whatever. Yeah, cash flow is about six thousand a year or so, five to six thousand a year, depending on uh, on if we go vacant at any point and. Um, you know, for three thousand, call it in two to three thousand dollars in. You know, we're we're making a two hundred percent return. Year, you recovered that though. I'm sorry. In, you just recovered that in in six months. That's it, right? So it's not bad, but it's like way off of what I thought. Um, and there's still some stuff that we have to like, you know, here's and there's that we have to still take care of. So it's not like it's you know completely done. And you know, there's some some landscaping stuff, some you know, some shale in a driveway, like that kind of stuff that we still have to do, but. You know, hopefully we can do that with our with our uh, our reserves that we've created. So, but it was probably like a really good experience when you got all these like, huh? You know, like next time I'm not gonna make this mistake. Exactly, and there's a few I'll talk about here in a second. But yeah, no, no doubt the um, the uh, the idea that you know we can sort of eyeball and say, well, based on my experience over there, it cost you know this much to paint a house. So it cost me $5,000 to paint my single family house, right? So I'm like, well, this is even smaller than that house. It's going to cost 5000 But what I didn't account for was just the type of house, right? Like the house I had as a single family was more kind of ranch style. So it wasn't that tall, whereas this was like a tall Victorian. So they have to put scaffolding up and, you know, there's a lot more cost there. And then again, I looked at like paint this, paint that without considering, well, but the wood here was okay. <laughs> the wood here was not okay. You know, so like things like that, where I looked at it and, and did my, my estimates based on what I thought I knew, um, you know, that came back to bite me a bit. Awesome. So make sure that you take that into consideration. And the easiest ways to go in with a contractor, maybe, you know, if you don't feel comfortable uh, doing that, then bring a contractor. What I always do, even if I know how much for the roofs, because here in South Florida, roofs are very expensive. So Every property that I'm going to offer on, I send my roofer and I ask him for a real price. Just give me a real price for the roof. You know, the last roof I replaced was like $15,000. Crazy. So it's just very expensive here in South Florida for roofs. So Crazy, you know. yeah. I relied a little too much on, on what I thought my knowledge was and also just the, the, the good old boy network that, you know, I thought was there with my family being there and me being from there or whatever. Like, oh, my... You know, I know this guy, he does, he does siding. It won't be a problem. He did this house over there for this much. Like it was, there was, there was logic to it, but it wasn't clear that, you know, this was going to cost X until we really got into it. Yeah. Awesome. Expert tips. All right. So now we're going to talk about the three expert tips that you're going to share with us and you're going to share with us 
three tips on your first verb. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is you got to do one. I mean, I, I get this, I get on the soapbox uh, at, from time to time about, you know, people listen to podcasts all the time, which is great. I do too on, on, um, on how to invest in property. And, and, you know, they hear, they hear speakers like bigger pockets is a great podcast. Right. And when I first discovered it, like a lot of people, you hear that first episode, whatever the, the most recent one is for when you discover them, and then you want to go back to the beginning and listen to every episode ever, because you're so enthralled by all of this stuff. And what you hear is a lot of people talking about the mistakes they made, the errors they made, the, the, whatever, the things that blew up in their face and you're kind of taking notes like, okay, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And to me, you get into a place where you just got like all these things it's swirling around you that you can kill any deal with. Like, I mean, the, the commonality with every one of those people on that podcast with me, maybe with you, Annette, is that in order for us to tell you how not, you know, what mistakes not to, or, you know, what mistakes we made, we had to do a deal, right? You have to do a deal. So I'm not saying just go out blindly and buy a property, not at all, but go look at something, do the due diligence to the best of your ability, you know, and, and, and if it makes some sense, if it makes sense to you, buy it. It's the only way you're going to truly learn, in my opinion, um, what to do, what not to do, so on and so forth. You just got to be involved. You got to get in the game. So tip one, do a deal. Do it. Do it. Do it. The other two tips are a little bit more uh, um, tactical, I guess. So one is, and you may have figured this out from my, my presentation so far here, is get detailed estimates from contractors. <laughs> <laughs> so obvious. Like I sit here saying it like red face, like, duh. Like I could have told you that from episode two of A Bigger Pockets podcast, right? But, you know, in the moment, at least there was a, there was a lot of like, okay, I know this. I know that we can do this. We can do that can't be more than this because of this way, you know, it wasn't like we were just like, ah, whatever, you know, that we, we had an outline, we had a budget, we had what we thought was a reasonable cause. We even talked to some people that were in the industry that gave us a sense of it. So we felt like, you know, we were validated. Like, I think that's going to cost about 5,000 bucks. Hey, Tony, uh, uh, can you talk, can I talk to your brother? Cause he does this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. He said those cost about 5,000 bucks. Okay. 5,000 is reasonable, right? As opposed to getting somebody out there. It, we just struggled to get somebody to come and you know, we, we, uh, we went forward thinking we knew what we knew. So yeah, get but it's hard to get somebody there when you don't own it yet. Correct. They don't want to spend their time, waste their time basically. But Correct. once you've done it a couple of times and people know that you do it, like my roofer, he will go to any property even if he knows that I don't own it because he knows that maybe out of three, I will buy one. Right. So, so they, once they know you, then you, you create this team of people that will do it for you. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So that was, you know, we we just sort of shortcutted it and thought, you know, we got enough to say that we 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 were pretty close. We might be a little off, but again, we were way off. So so that's tip two. Tip three is um, snake your sewer line. Like get a get a camera down your sewer line. <laughs> so we learned this lesson the hard way. Uh, and what that did is, you find in that sewer line that you have to <laughs> get a camera out? Separated. So the, the sewer line is, is broken in, in half, essentially about, you know, a few feet from the street. And I've had a sewer line go before. So again, I have the experience of this. And um, a couple of things to note is most municipalities, like you own it right up to the main, right? So the main runs right in the middle of the street. You could have a break underneath the road within two inches of the main on the pipe. It's yours. That means if they have to crack the street open, break the sidewalk, pour a new sidewalk, and put a new line in there, that's all on you to pay for. No insurance is going to cover that, right? So 
you know, again, it was an expensive lesson for us to learn. It was in that budget I mentioned of, uh, of costs that we had overrun on. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't account for it. And, you know, within a couple of months we had, we had, um, you know, maybe the first month, the tenants telling us, yeah, the toilet's overflowing again. Like, what do you mean again? Like, oh yeah, this has been happening. You know, it's like, ah. You yeah, know, that's, that's one of the things that I thought when I go in to look at the apartments. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, um, they are friendly, like the tenants. So I asked like, so what's wrong with the place? Like right. any problems that need to be fixed? And they tell me the whole thing. Sure. Many times it's like, yeah, the, the, the toilets don't flush, but they just, they just came and cleaned the septic. Like yeah. last week, again, they do it like once a week, you right, know, like, right, and right. they learn all these problems. Or, so yeah, talk to the tenants, like just be friendly and, you know, and they will give you a lot of information. Absolutely. One thing I should say, by the way, uh, on this story, just to give you a, you know, a, a nice silver lining. I mentioned earlier that the rents were seven fifty five for the three bed and five fifty, I think, for the two bed upstairs on the one property. That went from seven fifty five to twelve hundred. Wow. Um, and actually, that's that tenant just moved out, and we're re renting it for thirteen hundred. And the upstairs went from five fifty to nine hundred. Um, on the other property, it was eight hundred upstairs and downstairs with utilities included, meaning I paid them. The utilities are separated out now, and we're getting eight fifty. So it's about fifty bucks more on the actual rent but 200 bucks a month or so for each unit are not being paid by me anymore. So there's a $250 increase on each of those units as well. So uh, on that end, we actually did better than we expected. So we, we, we were conservative on our, on our rents, but um, yeah, we did pretty well with it. Yeah. It's really excellent. Those numbers for rent. Yeah. Yeah. Good jumps. Good jumps. So yeah, those are my three tips. Do a deal, get detailed estimates, look in your sewer line. Don't assume that, you know, or like you said, talk to tenants and ask them, but that plumbing is important excellent. to know. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for being in the show and adding so much value. And I have to say, you are the one who encouraged me to, to have the podcast and mm-hmm. do this video. So thank you very much. A year ago, somebody asked me, are you going to be doing this? And I was like, no way. Like, I don't think so. And here, here I am. So thank you for that encouragement. And, uh, that you always give me. <laughs> of course. No, no, I love it. I love, I love seeing what you're doing. So it's awesome. And you're, you're a natural at it. Can I tell a quick story before we go? Yes. Annette was not a fan of like Facebook live or anything like that. So I said to her, you should just, just do it. Just do it once. She was back and forth with me on the phone. Like, do I say this? Do I do that? I'm like, just do one. Right. So she does one. She's all nervous and you know, whatever. Um, flash forward six months. I'm at a, I'm at a conference with her in Orlando and I see her out in like the common area, like snagging all the big name guys that are at this conference. Like, let's, like you come over here with me. She had like a, a, a stand with her phone, like lighting the whole nine. She's going live with these guys, asking them three questions, do that like a beast with live. So a little bit of a, a little bit of a, an animal has been uncaged here when it comes to social media. And, uh, no, it's been pretty impressive to, to see you, uh, you do what you're doing. So I had to tell that story. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. So tell me, where can people find you? Absolutely. So the brand Multifamily and More, you can find us anywhere by just putting at Multifamily and More. We'd love for you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is simply youtube.com slash Multifamily and More. Me personally, you can find me on Facebook uh, or any of the other platforms as uh, at The Jamie Gruber. I know that sounds pretentious, but it's the only one that was available across all platforms. So T-H-E, 
Jamie Gruber. Um, you can find me on any of those. Awesome. And if you don't know, I am the leader of the South Florida Multifamily and More uh, Facebook group and meetup. And that's how we met. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I lead the Michigan group and uh, my partner Ben and I kind of founded the brand and Annette has taken the South Florida group to stratospheric levels. I, I'm embarrassed to say you have the biggest group uh, of all of us. So I got I to gotta level up. I just love how Ben always is like, Florida is the biggest. Always, always prodding. Always prodding. Yes. Uh, All whatever. right, Jamie. Thank you so much for being with uh, with me today and for adding so much value. I think people are gonna, you know, this episode is gonna be awesome for people that are trying to start. And you know, these are lessons that they need. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Great to be here. All right. Bye, guys. This was Deal Closers with Annette Tali, brought to you by Tali Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.